and welcome to Bookends with Friends. This is your co-host, Parker Moon. I'm a U.S. Open champion. This is Brett Irvin. I'm a U.S. Open second placer. This is Daniel Phillips. And we are a weekly book club podcast where we go over one book a month and make friends along the way. Hey, guys, how are y'all? Uh, I'm just counting the money from all my wins in the U.S. Open and the Wimbledon and the Australian Open and the French Open. Wow. This guy knows tennis. <laughs> and this guy knows tennis. Well, hey, okay, so Roger Federer, Serena Williams. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's cut Brett off and tell tell yeah. the people what we read this month so that they can know why we're doing this. Yes. So this is a book episode of Carrie Soda is Back by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Baby. Um, <laughs> thank you, Brett. It obviously is a book focused on tennis. And the classic writing style of Taylor Jenkins Reid. So this is why we do it. You know, this is why we do the dang thing. The whole podcast for these weeks, this time to come together and have a meeting of the minds, a, a collective uh, discussion about the book. And I, I, I love book episodes. What if every episode was a book episode? We did one book a week. I feel like we could do it. I feel like we would lose Let's do it. the love of reading really quickly. <laughs> I feel Probably. like we would start to hate it and hate each other and hate the podcast. Just but imagine we hate if our we listeners. were looking at the, you know, our next 18 books of the year and you're just like, oh, man, man, I don't want to read any of these. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like reading for fun wouldn't exist anymore, no. which that would be tragic. We could definitely make it work if we did like a biweekly yeah. If we did every so. two weeks. But that's, we, that's wait, hang on. neither are here nor are there. Are we putting this up for discussion right now? On nope, pod? not at all. Hey, hey, listeners, you email us and nope, tell us don't do it. how many books, two books a week? Two books a month is oh, what I meant. A, a book a day, an two episode a day, a book a <laughs> okay. day. Okay, this is not relevant to the conversation at all. Um, but yes, this is a book episode of Carrie Soto's Back. But before we get into that, we obviously have short stories and the general catching uppings of each other's lives. So how's it going? Well said. Thank yes, you. this is short stories. Um, as you've certainly guessed by now, this is that segment where we catch up. And uh, what are you guys? What's going on in y'all's lives? I want to hear. I want to hear from you, Dan, and you, Brett. I mean, I can go first. Please do. I've been meaning to tell you guys, I uh, I finished a book oh, last week, it. last weekend. Um, it's a very special book to all of us, to all of our fans, and to God. Um, it's, it's the Bible. It's the Bible. Um, it's our Bible, this podcast Bible, the Stormlight Archives, Rhythm oh, of War. Oh, yeah. You're fully caught up now. He did it. I'm caught up. I'm in the Cosmere. I'm well way done. behind still because I still need to read like what, like fifteen no, books. Don't, don't but, think of it that way. Yeah, don't neg yourself right no, now. I'm Enjoy sh- the- no, I'm just saying. I'm no. I just meant like as far as journey like, before destination, pal. Cosmere wise, but I am okay. excited. I can now talk to you guys about all things rhythm of war. Yeah. Um, I'm actually I, not a big fan of Stormlight anymore. I think. Oh, okay. You missed yeah. the train. Yeah, it actually I'm, turns out, Brett, we, we're over it a little bit. That but tracks. no, th- th- tell me about it. I've Feel free to do spoiler or non-spoiler. I don't know what the best thing for this so is. So there's this guy named Kaladin. Okay, not not what and, I know. Oh, God. <laughs> what do um, you think of book four? I loved it. Um, yeah, okay. I, I know it's considered like Navani's book, um, yeah. and I love Navani, so mm-hmm. I thought it was great. The scene, um, I cried my eyes out 
Um, Wait, did did Dan just say mommy? I think so. I don't know. (laughs) No, I think there's just an... Sorry, Brett, keep going. I think there's just an echo in Dan's room. Yeah, that was something weird. Okay. Um, But yeah, I loved it. Um, I cried a lot at... I don't want to spoil too much. Yeah. But there's the the Sanderlanch... Yeah. I like the, the those moments were very yeah. emotional and I loved it. And it's I know a lot of people consider it to be like their least favorite, but I'd say it's I mean it's up there for me. It might I love be that. I, I, second favorite. Yeah. I love that you liked it that much, honestly. So uh, I'll say the same thing as I said. Uh, we did a a TikTok live with Stormlight Means a few months ago, and I'll say the same thing as I said there where Rhythm of War is probably my, probably my least favorite of the four Stormlight books, but after five comes out, it'll be. I bet it's going to be better yeah. because it is such a setup book. Right, like there, you don't really get the big conclusion of book four as you do right. one through three, and so I think I'm going to really love it when the series yeah. is done. Dude, what are you what are you going for next? What's what's your next book? Um, I need to finish. I've decided I need to finish. Uh, the original, at least the original Red Rising trilogy. I'm like halfway through Morningstar. Oh yeah, you should really. And so do I just that. need to finish that. I mean, I've been halfway through that book for like over a year. So I just Are you need to start get, over. I just need to just, yeah, I, honestly, at this point, you might want to start over. I was considering it, but we'll see. Do you remember who the characters are? There's like Darrow and and yeah, there's like Darrow, Ragnar. and then there's yeah. a guy that Darrow doesn't like, and there's Ragnar, and he has Severo. friends, and Severo's Severo's like cool. And there's Mars and the moon and stuff. Yeah. I remember some of it. We'll get yeah, back in. Oh, yeah. You've got it. It's like riding a bike. Oh, yeah. But yeah. What about you guys? So not a ton for me, just kind of book related. I've just been on a book spending spree recently. Um, and I think it's because I've got these nice new shelves in my office. Yeah, it is. And I'm like, you got to fill up those shelves. Yeah. I'm like, man, those are pretty big shelves. I mean, they're. They're like six feet wide and to the ceiling. And so I'm like, oh, man, those look, really, those look really empty. I can only put so many fake Ikea plants on these shelves. And so um, just to kind of walk through my TBR with everyone. So I'm doing, um, not to betray the podcast or anything, but I, I'm doing a book reading with with a good friend of mine. I've <gasps> talked about this before. We're reading the Farseer Trilogy. Unacceptable. Do you take, have the other knife, friends? take the knife out of our backs, Dan. Okay. A2 Brutus. <laughs> I can't take it. Um, so I'm reading Farseer with a good friend of mine. And then um, that was my pick. And he got to pick the next one, which was the Witcher series. And so we're going to do Witcher together. Oh, cool. But because of like... The video uh, game? I, oh, yeah. We're just going to play the Witcher 3 <laughs> together. <laughs> that sounds like pretty great too, honestly. Um, but I've been buying so many like intros to series just to get like a like a sushi sample test of all of them so i bought john gwen's the the shadow of the gods which i think i've said i got name of the wind on the shelf i'm looking around right now the one i'm really excited for is kings of the wild which i talked to brett and parker about or both of you about um this book just seems awesome it's kind of been described as like a like a love letter DD campaign because the the whole plot of the book is kind of a washed up uh band of mercenaries um get like put back into the fight because i i think it's like one of their daughters gets taken 
And so they all like band back together to like go get her back. I think that's what the plot is. I haven't really looked too much into it. Uh, but yeah, I'm just super excited to like get into all of these things. Um, I'm like halfway through Royal Assassin, which is the second book in Farseer. And then I'm just going to go ham on these books. I love that. I'm and excited wallet, for you. My wallet hurts a lot. Yeah, but isn't it fine? Like when your wallet's lighter, but you your bookshelves are full. Yeah. Your heart is happy. It's I like think burying. <laughs> it's like burying gold in the ground. You're just. Yeah. It's. It's of it's another an investment. value. Thank you, Brett. Yeah. It is an investment. Honestly, I think it's what just it your is assets too. aren't liquid anymore. <laughs> Can't have liquid assets. Honestly, I think what it is too. Nicole and I did a date day a few weeks ago where we just went to Barnes and Noble and we were just like, "Go crazy," you know. Money doesn't matter right now. Buy the books. <laughs> oh, you, you can you you can spend a lot of money doing that, my friend. Yeah, and so we 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 toned it back. We bought like seven or eight books. Um, How many did you have to put back? Zero. Oh, we but no, we bought we bought seven or eight. Oh, how many other books did we? Yeah, yeah. How many lot? did you have in your hands? Yeah, that's the worst. I did feeling. have the mass market paperback of Rhythm of War because it's out now, and I I want to walk in with my pristine hardcover copy and just be like, "Can I give you guys this, and you give me that little <laughs> tiny paperback, please?" Can can we set up a blanket fort in a Barnes and Noble sometime and just kind of yeah. like chill and read? Do our podcast from there? Yeah, poop every now. Oh and then. wait. Let's get a sponsorship and do a podcast from the like Starbucks area of a Barnes and Noble. <laughs> it's a great God, idea. That would be so fun. Um, but no, it's just I've, I'm having a lot of fun filling out these shelves and I'm excited to to keep doing it. There's a lot of books out there that I really want to read and the, the list is not getting any shorter. Um, my butt and legs are sore and my tell back me, tell me about and it. my shoulders and my body. What'd you do? Uh, I hurt. I played tennis. I, I I was, you know, I took this uh this whole podcast thing to the next level. Your cosplaying um, is Carrie Soto. Yeah, so I I really wanted to like experience it, kind of like a a four D movie. Uh, you he know where really you where, where you get like spit on and stuff in the movies, and they're like, wow, this is more fun now. <laughs> Me and Dan threw tennis balls at you while you read. <laughs> yeah. So I well I I went out and w- with our with our buddy Justin and I played a full set of tennis and uh it was it was 80 degrees while whilst we were doing it and my body is screaming from every like joint and connector tissue and fiber and muscle um time for hurts. a comeback. It all hurts. It is it, I I tried to come out of retirement and um, You didn't you didn't have Javier that's why I have hobby. You know, that's so true. Uh, I wasn't running five miles a day in the, on sand. the sand to prepare guys. I was I like that was it was so much fun. I miss that sport. I miss it with my whole heart and soul. Uh, and like immediately when I when I picked up the racket, like stuff came back to me. But it was a little uh, uh, like deflating thinking that like 15 year old Parker could like smoke beat ass like i like absolutely destroy 28 year old parker with like without even like honestly without sweating i used to play five sets of that game in 90 degree weather like as a you know that was a wednesday at practice and then now i i out there we there was at one point where i stopped i looked at my watch and i was like good god like my heart rate is like through the roof i must be dying it was 18 minutes in (laughs) 18 minutes in 
So um, that's my short story. It was it was so much fun. I love tennis, and um, I did. I just wanted to say, yeah, I did a little bit of uh, extra extracurricular homework to prep for this episode. Um, let's get let's get your cardio up, and then you'll be you'll be taking down Nikki Nikki Chan's all over the place. So Brett and I showed up to Parker's tennis match uh, near the end, near the end yes. of the match, and he was not looking great he was winning he looked great but you could tell he was not doing great um but i do remember he did google a healthy heart rate when you're tired <laughs> because oh yeah i full-on searched like is my heart going to explode my heart rate was at like 180 <laughs> um like high 180s oh man and i was concerned uh, i wish i could uh, i could could see you in your prime because you look really good you've you're a tennis player Thanks, man. I appreciate um, it. I, I think this is going to be the start of something big where uh, I'm going to have you coach me, someone who's never played tennis, and we're going to uh, push me through the ranks. Uh, Daniel, I mean this in a non-sexual, weird um, way. Your body is perfect. <laughs> and what I mean by that is the length you have, the wingspan you have, the aerodynamics that your body could allow I for cut, for tennis. I cut through the wind. You I, would cut through the wind, my guy. I, 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 t- I told Parker, I texted Parker that you would be a menace if you got good at tennis. An absolute <laughs> menace tennis, on the Tennis courts. the menace. They couldn't hit it past you. There would be no passing shots. There would be no way to lob it over you. We got to go like every day. We got to go right now. What do we yeah. do? I'm just kidding. I'm too sore. I can't move right now. It's a good thing podcast is a podcasting is a non-contact, non-movement uh, uh, movement sport because this is about as much as I could do currently. Well, you look great and I'm excited to see your, your growth in your old age. Thanks. I really do. I want to play more. I want to get back into it. This book had inspired me something fierce and let you know let's just move into discussion because I, yep. I feel like we're I, i'm yeah, yeah. so eager to talk about carrie soto's back but first we should probably hit the quote of the week we should do quote of the week thank you brett and that quote is brought to us by the quote chemist herself hannah p thank you hannah, hannah. once again coming in clutch we appreciate it. She sent in some other ones as well. So we'll be we'll be hitting up Hannah P for some some quotes uh in future episodes as well. Honestly, um, yeah, a, fa- a thank you to our listeners. We did put out a an SOS, if you will, like a flare in the in the middle of an ocean, lost uh with no quotes around, and and y'all all came to our aid. The listeners just provided that we've got a an overflow our our cup overfloweth. We were with we were quotes. famished. Yes, we were <laughs> famished. And like manna from heaven, quotes fell from the sky. So thank you so much, everyone. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Um, this quote is obviously from our book this week, Carrie Soto's Back, Baby. Um, it is in a section where Carrie's father is you know, talking to her about not having a chip on her shoulder and overcoming adversity. And he tells her, you don't need to show them, you just need to be, which is a great thing to live by. He's basically in a moment of frustration from Carrie, letting her know, don't worry about what everybody else is saying. You just do your thing and then they'll find out. Um, yeah. So wonderful submission. So thank you so much, Hannah. And uh, now we can get into that discussion. Cool. Let's hop into it. What did you guys think? I, I just want quick, just quick, like rapid fire uh initial thoughts on the book 
quick bites. My very quick initial thought from me, it was way more of a sports book than I thought it would be. Like, oh, obviously, yeah. it's a be- I've, no, 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 hear me out, hear me out. Obviously, it's about tennis, but like, I thought it was going to have, you know, the family Football. drama or the soccer. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I thought it was going to I thought it was going to be kind of tennis as the background for the main story of I yeah, too, completely. But it yeah. is like it is like reading like Remember the Titans. Like it is right. a, it's a, it's a love letter to yes. the sport of tennis. Yeah. And I didn't expect yeah. that and I really enjoyed it. Um I loved it because it wasn't it didn't make it wasn't there weren't any like tsunami waves of like emotion it was just like a solid read and so enjoyable and so just and obviously there's like tension and there's like a lot of drama that happens but i was never like anxious on like in my like some books you read and the whole time you're just like oh my gosh here we go here we go but but i just felt like it was such like a more chill read for me and i loved that and yeah the sports part of it was so well written every and we're going to talk about it later, but every tennis match, I was just like on the edge of my seat, like, oh, you know, getting into it like you would watching a U.S. Open final in real life, like watching Serena Williams in real life. You're just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, I I, I completely I, I agree with both of you. all I think that the pacing caught me off guard, uh, especially in like the early book, because it moved so rapidly, yeah. especially through like her early life. And I, I think, uh, Brett, to your point, I was expecting there to be the more of this, um, like, you know, wave of drama or, yeah. or just like, uh, you know, kind of steady flow. It almost felt like I didn't know really what the book was about. And I, this kind of circles around a dance point until I was like, oh, no. This is a book about tennis. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, w- right. I was waiting on this like secondary, like big plot device, and then I was like, "Oh no, this is this is just a book about a, a person's, uh, you know, come and not." And that sounds really reductive. There is so much deeper than just that, obviously. But like, it, it really it it's a beautiful yeah in this story of of a, a, you, of Carrie's comeback into tennis. Um, but the pacing was was interesting and very fast. Uh, it felt like it like didn't really slow down um, to catch its breath. You know, there wasn't a lot of like young Carrie. Uh, you know, it just it just went. The pacing's wearing those break points, and they're just sprinting around the court. Yeah. So okay. Well, I'm, tell me. I just want to hear like y'all's thoughts too on your fi- like. What, what were some of your favorite characters outside of Carrie? Nikki Chan all day long. Nikki Chan Nikki was Chan. great. She Nikki was Chan's so cool. So good. Yeah. I. Um, Nikki Chan was probably my favorite character. Her and um, the Jaguar. The Jaguar. Javier's the Javier. best. Her and Javier were the best. Um, just the the like super competitive banter between Carrie and Nikki was my favorite part of the mm-hmm. book. Especially when uh, Carrie won. Which one? It was Wimbledon. When Carrie won Wimbledon and she got flowers to her room. Yeah. And I was just like, hey, enjoy that. You're not getting another one. I was like, yeah, yeah I'm here for this. I, I yeah. love that. Can, can I tell you, I really don't know that the book would have had as big of impact on me and like without Nikki Chan like that, her coming into the book and that rivalry, but also friendship was the most compelling part of the book to me. And I almost wish that she would have been introduced earlier into the plot. Like yeah. that that rivalry was so fun and sweet to read about. And I, I could have read that for 
all 300 pages. Like if, if Nikki Chan would have been the start of her rivalry as opposed to just the end. It was so much better just than Carrie and uh, Stepanova's rivalry Stepanova, yeah. and like the, her younger years. Cause every time she would be thinking about Nikki Chan and like how important it was to beat this person, it made a point to be like, ah, oh, God, I really like her. <laughs> yeah, I hate that I like her. <laughs> Which is just like one more added thing that I loved. Yeah. And wait, so you're, you kind of already mentioned that you love uh, uh, Javier. I Javier was probably my favorite character um, overall. Nikki Chan, easily secondary. Um, I wish we have, have, would have had more of her. Uh, but I want to know, I want to hear y'all's thoughts. Do y'all think... Javier was a good dad and I want and I so I want to just throw this out there like did he push her too hard so I think um at first I going into the book I was expecting it to be the typical overbearing father archetype where he's going to drive her away well yeah, so, same. and and they kind of they kind of mess with you because you know Taylor does because at the beginning it shows them talk it has them talking and being like all right let's do this and so you're like, okay, so maybe not. And then throughout the, you know, her her upbringing, you kind of see after her mom passes away, you kind of start to see, okay, this is where it's going to come in, where he's going to like disassociate and just be a coach and not be her dad. But I feel like throughout he will, as soon as you're like, oh, wait, is he about to be like overbearing and controlling? He'll like jump in and be like, hey. You need to be like, he, he teaches her about respect. He teaches her about like not holding chips. Um, I think the the one thing that um, he, he probably, and he apologized for, for it later on, but he probably didn't let her be a kid enough, which I think lends to a lot of the stuff that she goes through as she's older mm-hmm. and making the comeback and like her relationships on tour that she describes um, that he kind of makes her all business. He teaches her to be all business, which you could also argue that's how she won, you know, set the record. So it's just, right. it's just, it's an interesting, he kind of like walks the line of that, of being like, you see all the moments of him being a good dad. He definitely is later in life. Um, and you can kind of see it when she kicks, she fires him as her coach. Because that's when he starts to be like, hey, like tennis isn't everything. Like tennis isn't your life. You need to live your life. Like you are, and he admits, you know, I may have told you that you're going to be the best player of all time, but like you are one of the best players and you are like an amazing player. And he's like, I'm sorry if I like overhyped you on that. Um, That's my failing. But he's like, don't make this, like, don't ruin your life because of tennis. Like you need to live a life. So I think he makes up for whatever he, or at least he tries to right. to make up for anything that happened when he's younger. But I feel like he was a pretty good dad. Right. No, I think pushes hard in her younger years, but not the stereotypical, like, I don't think he was a mean father. Like it worked no. out. Yeah. Well, that's so, I, I mean, I, 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 brother, I, I think that he's a fantastic dad. I think yeah. that, um, like the, I, I was so pleasantly subverted from, what I thought the story was going to be be about with their relationship. I was really worried that he was either going to be like not emotionally available or like, like have some or sort of like anger or yeah, yeah. So, something that came in. But at every step of the way throughout her career, 
he loved her so deeply. Yeah. And I, I just was so thankful to read a story like that. I didn't realize right. how much I, I, I needed and wanted that. Um, but I, I, I definitely agree. And I think like he points it out in the narrative of like his, you know, pitfalls of maybe, you know, overemphasizing like winning and stuff like that. But the love he had for Carrie was unquestionable throughout the entire novel. And I just thought that that was such a fun uh, character to read. And all of his, like the way he, he spoke, his mannerisms, the way he interacted with Carrie and the way he supported her as, yeah. as her coach and, and her father was just incredible writing. Such a well-built character. Mm-hmm. I do love that his relationship with Bo is almost more focused on than oh. Carrie's relationship with Bo. So good. Them two and their bromance was so good. The scene in the book where they like joked with her about having nicknames for yeah. each other when <laughs> yeah. he calls him Hob and then he calls him B and like that that had me I, I was like just like ear to ear grinning. That was very good. Yeah. I really wanted to sit down and talk about like history and like the war movies they were talking about oh. and stuff. I was like <laughs> Oh man, I want to oh, hang out Brett. with Javier and talk about history. Um, so uh, moving moving on, I mean, I think I could I could literally go on all day about why I loved Javier. So maybe we'll circle back to that. But moving on, I do want to hear uh, y'all's thought or just ask all this question because I don't know how I feel about this. But can y'all do y'all relate to Carrie's passion for tennis? Have y'all ever cared about something that deeply? Understand it, yes relate to it absolutely not because like i just i just don't care about a lot of things (laughs) (laughs) like that sounds bad and i i have to like talk myself out of this corner but i'm not a competitive person i Mm -hmm. my thing that i care about like i like being good at stuff but i don't are good at a lot of stuff (laughs) thank you i don't like getting good at things to be better than other people i just like improving on what yeah like i can do but because of that like there's not one single thing where i'm like trying to be the best at and so and especially like to put other things in my life aside to like master that uh, but I understand it. Like, if you have something that you love, you know, go for it. Yeah, I um, I think if I had started that young and had like that intense of an like, I feel like I could fit into that that obsession or passion. Starting young is a big part of it, I think. Um, because a lot of things like you know when you're a kid, you'll play something and then like one thing happens and you're like, I'm, I don't want to do that anymore. And then you look back when you're older and you're like, man, if I just ignored that one thing, I could have like kept doing that and it would have been great. And so what's what's your one thing? Um, I always thought, uh, that I could be, or my dad, when I was younger, uh, he always tells the story of, he thought he had the next Chipper Jones on his hands because I was, I, my batting swing was so good when I was like a little kid. Shoot. Um, but I got scared away from baseball because I was left hand. I batted left-handed and I got hit by like every other pitch Yeah, in Same. little league. And so I just got so fed up. Like I was a great, I, I played outfield. I was a great fielder. Um, I think I could have been good at baseball, but I just like got so fed up with getting hit by pitches that I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. 
And so uh, I think that's what happened. But um, there's a multiverse somewhere that exists where Brett Irvine is in the MLB right now. <laughs> I, that would be, I feel like I could have been pretty good at baseball, but yeah. So I, I could definitely see it, but I've never, I don't think I've ever had that level. Yeah. That's so I, you know, I, I feel like it's kind of sad sometimes, or, and maybe, maybe this is like some of my own, um, you know, dealings that I need to work out, but I feel like I have always strived for like balance or some like level of like peace in life which has led me to be like a a pretty decent at a, a good handful of things, but never singularly focused on being excellent at any one thing. Um, and I don't know if that it comes from a, like a place of trying and being afraid to fail, or if that comes from a place of just like, if you become so singularly focused, like that becomes your whole identity. But it, I, the whole time I was reading this, I was like, can, I was convicted by Carrie's passion for it in the sense that like while I have set up my life to be like cushy and comfortable and I feel like I'm all right at a lot of things I every now and then I don't know if y'all feel this way but I do wish I had that one thing right that I was like oh yeah all the time. just had that drive that insatiable you know this is it focus and I, I don't know I just I'd lose a match and be like, all right, time to go home, kick the old feet up, drink a Capri Sun. <laughs> I think I think balance is good. I think balance for like ninety percent right. of people is is the best way to do it. Yeah, don't think don't think you're doing it wrong. Also, never too late to learn something. So there you go. All right, let's move on. Um, so I believe that Carrie's biggest opponent in the book was herself and her own mental game and taking on everything that everyone was throwing at her. Did you guys enjoy reading her her battle with herself and her, her mental fortitude? Did you think she was going to get better? Did you agree with how she handled a lot of her opponents with her attitude and her fans? Let's talk about that. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I personally, I love, I love, I loved Carrie. So like the, like yeah. from, from like page one, Carrie, when she was at her fiercest and most competitive and also, uh, arguably most unliked by like the public and the public eye, I found her so charming and endearing because People of love her. Hotheads, though. Yeah. I, yeah. It, it, to, to me, it's, it's just, it's fun. Um, and I just like that she was so like unabashedly uh competitive. Competitive and like and, like knew like confident like she like knew what she was about and knew she was going to win, but I definitely think that you can make the argument that the main antagonist in the story was herself and uh I think it was addressed early on in the book um like maybe like around halfway uh, as one of uh uh Javier's like teaching moments to carry um but he he basically like talks to her about this idea of you're not playing your opponent you're playing yourself you're trying to be better you're trying to be a better tennis player than the tennis player that you were the last time you're on the court and i personally absolutely adore that philosophy but beyond tennis i think that that is like a a mainstay philosophy that i Everywhere. try to live by for like yeah for i mean for everything for like you i i like to spread that into like personal life like i, I it, ideally i think everyone would benefit if they strive to be 
the better version of themselves that they were than they were the day before. You know, I yeah. think that that's always the ultimate goal. And so I I just really 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 loved that um, piece of wisdom that Javier gave. Uh, and then also like playing tennis, I know that that um that pitfall of negativity it, when you're losing and what that looks like and and they with that like uh the conversation that Bo has a lot about like self one and self two that is such a true thing and I don't know if y'all have you either y'all played solo sports before like in a in a competitive situation no, no. um I don't think so so I. I think like that was You're maybe one of the the biggest. Yeah, I'm definitely the expert on the field here. Um, no, uh, but I think that was one of like the biggest draws for me to tennis as a sport is that like failure was my own and success was my own. And I really loved that. I, li- I like team sports and I love collaborating. But I the idea of like when you get on the court, like everything else falls away and it's just a test between like you and the person you're against or you and the ball or you and yourself, however you want to look at it. But it also is so challenging mentally that and, and it takes a lot of mental stability to be able to bounce back and to be able to stay away from that sort of like negative, like chain reaction that happens if you have a couple bad points in a row. It, it is it's incredibly hard to dissociate that, you, you know, you're like ability and that that last point that you had so i love that that was yeah. such a big prevalent theme in the book well let's um, um let's take it a step further to, in your personal experience and your example here because another part of the book and another part that she had to work through and think through is the pundits and the the men the male players on the tour like slander her on live television and a lot of the time like she's playing a match and thinking about like the words that are coming out of their mouths to like they're stranger they're complete strangers to her like absolute nobodies to her and so let's let's put high school parker um you know you're you're playing a match and you hear the announcer like make fun of you <laughs> in the game how do you know yeah, I, I would have crumpled like a wet paper towel like that like <laughs> i i do not have like i i was very uh self-conscious and not very confident as a high schooler to begin with so yeah. if you would have had to amplify that in any sort of level where i was under like critical eye that i would have never been able to handle that even even before my high school tennis matches or just like the like outside tennis tournaments that i would play the pressure of having people watch or like family watch or my coach watch and be assessing my game yeah. was incredibly difficult for yeah. me to manage when it was people that loved me and cared about me so <laughs> I, and, and also like that's what you think <laughs> right honestly and also we should definitely take a step back to say that like there's so like it's a completely different thing too with carrie because she has to deal with like the added layer of the weird um like tennis is a quote-unquote like gentleman sport situation yeah. Um, and so I think that, you know, obviously her story is, is even more impactful, um, because she was, she was battling like the, the sexism piece of the game and also just kind of like the outdated piece of the game. Yeah. Um, 
which is which is a real thing i mean that's still very much a part of tennis today like you know you can't show too much emotion on the court without being like uh you know fined or or at least branded like a you know like oh you let your emotions take control of you whether that's like celebratory or anger or whatever yeah yeah. um and I don't know. I, I kind of I go back and forth on my thoughts on it because like I, I personally like love John McEnroe. Sorry, I'm rambling right now about tennis. You got me rambling about tennis. Um, Keep going. But I, I like when players are are entertaining and show emotion. And yes, and entertaining. I think it's fun to watch. But I also think that there's something so incredibly respectable about the people who can keep calm and collected and like have an awful set and then come back and win a set and then they they don't let that emotion show i'm just thinking of like federer right now yeah. and like how he's the greatest Robots. of all time right um sorry i i really did, am rambling did about you tennis. did you take any uh performance enhancing drugs in your tennis career uh no in fact i think my tennis career would have been a lot better if i didn't only drink like coca-cola <laughs> and eat fast food in high school you know, it really probably would have done my numbers a lot better. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Nikki Chan because we've already talked a little bit about Nikki Chan. And before, okay, I'm going to segue myself really quick here because the one problem I have with the book, and this ends on a positive, so hold your hold your wow, horses. Wow, Dan. Wow, hold your wow. horses. Despicable. Don't, don't give me that. The one problem I had with the book was like a hundred pages in, I was like, okay, I know exactly how this book is going to end. Um, She's going to probably lose really poorly in the first slam and then she's going to win Wimbledon and then she's going to fight, go against Nikki Chan. And it all played out, right? What I didn't expect is her becoming Nikki Chan's coach, which was Mm -hmm. so, so good. So let's talk about what Chan's character meant for Carrie's character. Cause she was like the adversary the entire book. Um, however, however you look at it. Nikki finally cracked, cracked the code. She got through that hard shell exterior of Carrie's defenses because obviously she grew up. It's hard not to have a chip on your shoulder when you have that upbringing. And so she finally, you know, broke through that. Um, and in like her own special way. And it took Nikki Chan to do it because it was in a competitive yet respectful yet like loving way. So it's like they could tell each other like, fuck you. But at the same time, Carrie learned to care for and respect her and understand where she was coming from because she had a whole other list of, uh, of things, adversity that she had to go through, um, with her life and so i loved the conversation between the two of them near the end of the book uh, before their match where it's carrie saying to her like yeah you have a lot of wins but like you didn't have to face the people that i faced when i was winning like the people i faced were so much which is just such like a petty excuse it's the classic lebron versus jordan right yes (laughs) exactly it's the unwinnable argument because it's like, oh, you in my time, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, wasn't here, grandma. Like, there's still really good people in there. Also, the people that you're saying aren't good, like, beat you this year. Um, 
but they had that conversation and it, it was all you only got these wins because of the people in the league now like you couldn't hold a candle to what i had to face and they get into their match and very early on carry hits like the impossible shot and then um chan ends up returning it and the inner monologue was like oh god this person is better than i am like yeah she finally gets to see like it's it's no more talk it's only just like skill in the game and she returns it and it's like oh no she reads the ball better than i do she's mm. actually super good at tennis <laughs> like it took 400 pages for her to be like man she's pretty good <laughs> yeah I think I think Nikki was also just like a, a beautiful character, like really well written in the sense that she was able to let Carrie finally turn that page in her life where she because like I, I think Carrie would have never really like had like self-actualization as a person never, without Nikki no. Chan yeah. coming into her life and bringing her out of that. Like, I have to be the best. I have to be number one hanging on to the statistics and all of that stuff. And letting her remember like the sweet things of tennis, like what what it means to have fun on the court, what it means to compete and like why they why she was doing it to begin with. And with her rounding out to become Nikki's coach, I think, Dana, you, you already said it, but I just thought that was like definitely just like the sweetest part of the book. Like it, it really rounded out the story so wonderfully uh, at, for, for Carrie's progression, for Nikki's progression and just for like what it means to like compete and like because they they were able to like raise the bar together and then find accomplishments within each other and find accomplishments outside of each other and i i don't know i just i can't say it any better than y'all both already have but she was an excellent excellent character and that scene dan specifically what you said when they're finally playing and she has that realization was very visceral and well written i was like oh yeah this is this is good stuff it's like Thanos beating up the Hulk. <laughs> That's yeah, what it made yeah. me think of. Um, so weird timing. Uh, to to round us out, to kind of take us away from the book, uh, Federer, Roger Federer retired, like put out his statement of retirement last week. Uh, Dan, you sent it to us in the chat. And um, I don't know, there's just been a lot of tennis stuff going on lately that I felt like kind of aligned nicely. Um, did y'all get a chance to listen to his retirement speech it's really good yeah i like yeah. teared up it was yeah, it was so good yeah he's amazing i mean he's been killing it for like what he won his first slam like 20 years ago it was like 2000 yeah two two decades two, 2003 I, something like that yeah absolutely incredible competitor and on the same note um serena williams just also retired and she had like a comeback where she did she beat the the number one player in the world in the U.S. Open or was it was one of the top players in the world? Yeah. Um. But yeah, both of them retiring feels a bit scripted by Taylor Jenkins Reid. I feel like she had a part in all of this. Right. You know, it feels it feels like they both read Carrie Soto's back and were like, "All right, it's time. This it's is the time, time for me to coach." They. <laughs> Do you think it's our fault? Do you think yeah, we picked this yeah, book they, and tennis pros are like, "We can't have these three talking about tennis. Let's." I'm done. I don't want to do the sport anymore. Oh God, no! We Whoops. can't put that on my put that on my shoulders. Um, cool. Well, I think we've been going a good while, so we should book market here. 
Um, before we do, I did have, you know, I was looking up, I was trying to find stuff about the book and it just came out. So there's not a whole lot in means of like interviews and whatnot. Um, but I did find a little snippet from an interview that Taylor Jenkins Reid did to promote the book. And it was along the lines of like why she felt compelled to write the story. Mm -hmm. And uh, for anyone who's read Malibu Rising, Carrie Soto is a very minor character in that story. And Taylor Jenkins Reid just couldn't stop thinking about her and her like fiery personality. And then that spiraled into her thinking about like Carrie's arc and her entire story as a whole as this, as this tennis pro. And the thing that she kept coming back to was just like how much fun it was to be in that mindset. And it, she said it was like one of the most fun books she's ever written. Um, and so I, I didn't have like much outside of that for an author's note, but I do think that uh, more than anything else, like this book did have like some levity in it and just like it, it felt less heavy and felt a lot of fun to read yeah um, i don't know if y'all felt the same way but I, I just was enjoying the whole time and it didn't necessarily feel like it had like the biggest emotional yeah punches um but it was just a blast that's exactly why i loved it like i got finished with it and i was just like man that was great like i didn't <laughs> have to like sit in a corner and like recover emotionally um javier that hit really hard and that, that was a really hard. i think the way that she writes loss like that is so like perfect mm -hmm. just like not knowing what to do with yourself like the time passing her just not realizing what's going on and then her slowly like, going back into his house and stuff like that finding his stuff um it's just be really beautifully written and that obviously that hit really hard don't want to take away from that I think by the end, yeah, you're just kind of like, it's refreshing. You're like, wow, that was just a great read. Yeah, it's like the equivalent of like a, a really good summer blockbuster, but book film, book yeah. version. It's it's definitely going to be a movie. Oh, I could call it. I would watch. I'm That'd calling be a it right cool now. Movie. Gonna, I feel like it's written so well, well like a movie. You know, I, did y'all watch, end... uh, watch King Richard? Yes. No. Okay. Well, like it, it, it there's a lot of similarities, obviously, with yeah. like, Serena Williams and the Williams sisters and that story. Right. Um, very different, a lot lighter, I would say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and that's just, I think in terms of like, once you get into stuff with like real life, real life is a lot more messy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would, I would love to see this if it did get I, adapted. I mean, I feel like the book ends on a freeze frame, like a movie freeze frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Like it ends <laughs> mid sentence. It really does. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. All right. Also, shout out to Gwen, just really quick, her agent Gwen. That's a really coolly, perfectly awesome character. Yeah, we um, kind of missed that, but Gwen is so cool. We didn't we didn't even really talk about Bo a lot. Bo's no. fantastic. Yeah. I yeah, really yeah. liked Bo. Yeah, it's just it's such a such a refreshing read. Yeah, Bo is a really non-toxic, very loving male character. Uh, again, very refreshing. Bo like honestly, Javier and Bo both were just like examples of kind uh male figures and books and that's not always there so it was wow. it was a nice nice change of pace except sure. let's not talk about lars van douchebag am i right <laughs> get him out of oh, here oh god get him out of here all right well that anything else any last thoughts to round us out 2023 is going to be my tennis year oh we're going to make dan dan's going to be in the u.s open in 2023 2023 calling call it right now
All right, I'm going to go like ice my entire body because I'm still so sore from that one set of tennis I played. Let's go play into the lights right now. Nope, not at all. Uh, what Dan is going to do is Dan's going to go back to his favorite Barnes & Noble and pick up Salem's Lot, our next book for Hey-o. October. Spooktober. Yeah, man. Spooktober. Uh, Daniel, Daniel loves spooky books and yeah, they Dan definitely does. don't keep them up at night. And he's really excited for this one. I have a list, a pile of of horror slash like thriller novels that I've set aside for this next month. And I'm very uh, excited to read all of them. Ready to get scared? I am. I'm ready to get we're gonna, very scared. We're going to visit with the uh, the king of horror himself, Mr. King, um, and read Salem's Lot. And it's going to be gonna fun. We're going to figure out all about the character Salem and her lot. Okay, let's yeah. bookmark it there. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, where can where can our listeners find us if they want to send in quotes or if they want to be a part of the discussion? Email me at bookendswithfriends at gmail.com. You can find email us on just TikTok. Daniel. Just Daniel. Yeah, just, I don't care about these two at all. Just email me about whatever you want to talk about. Uh, Bookends with Friends pod on TikTok. And those are the two that matter the most. <laughs> I can't remember the others. Instagram, bookends underscore with underscore friends. Bookends um, pod fame. on Twitter. Oh, yeah. We, <laughs> the we Twitter, Twitter that we definitely use. Eventually, we'll have a Discord up and running. I promise. It's close. Still working it's on close. that. Sorry. It's in the works. In the works. Uh, yeah, special special shout outs to uh, Zach Dyson, um, uh, uh, Hannah P., Megan, uh, we had a few others who who reached out to us recently. I don't know. We've, I feel like we've had a lot of people reach out, um, which has been very kind. So keep keep at it. Uh, we'd love to hear from y'all. Thank you all so much. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Jacob Robinson, for oh, the you, intro Jacob. and outro of our podcast. Uh, and thank you, Maddie Moon, for the wonderful cover art. Thank you, Maddie. Uh, yes, thank you both. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. And In remember the, the... Oh, you go. You want uh oh and rem and remember the real the real no hey hang on actually time out I want to hear both of y'all's tennis grunts real quick <laughs> yeah that okay. was that was Link but I like it you should <laughs> use that your dance was just Link all right and remember the real books were the friends we made along the way. Yeah.